Welcome back to this week's episode of the Bulletproof Dad podcast. Today's guest is Peter Finn, aka Pete the Builder. You may know him from our TV screens, watching shows such as Room to Improve and Home Rescue. We have a great conversation about Peter, what Peter was like as a child growing up, excelling in sports, starting his own business, how that led to opportunities to get on the television and the work he's doing now today and how he manages it all while having three young kids at home and then also keeping fit and active well into his 40s. So pop the headphones in, do what you got to do and give this a listen. The Bulletproof Dad podcast is sponsored by M50 Skip Hire. They're a local business that specializes in skip hire, but also commercial bins. So if you're involved in a small Irish business, practice to preach, look out for the small Irish businesses and get them to do your bins. So Pete Finn, aka Pete the Builder from our televisions, you're very welcome to the podcast. How are you, sir? How are you doing, Andrew? Thanks very much for having me on. It's great to have you today, Pete. Like I know there'll be people listening to this probably looking for a little bit of construction advice and we will get to some of that stuff yeah. as we go along because there's some value there, definitely. Yeah. But I'd love to kind of start, anyone who sits in that chair in front of me, I always try and start with the earlier years of kind of, because I believe it forms us and kind of leads us to, to where we're at now. Yeah, yeah. So can we go back to Pete, the young fella, the young girl running around Sagart, what was he up to <laughs> back in the day? Yeah, well, so I was born in Sagart and, and when I was three, I actually moved down to uh, Virginia Heights in Tallaght. Okay, yeah. So I was born as a, as a culture because that's where Sagat is considered and then I got moved a down. A is the word. Dulci, yeah, we definitely, plenty of them in our county yeah, as well. Yeah. I, I'm the ultimate Dulci because uh, <laughs> when, so I, I kind of was reared, I suppose, in Talib, but spent my summers in Sagat and up and down. So I got, I got the perfect mix yeah. and uh, when I was in, in Sagat, I was told I was a, uh, I was from the city, and when I when I was in <laughs> when I was in Tallow, I was told I was a a culture. So You're an outsider, both yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you it was all win. good. Yeah, so had a great great childhood in 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 both places. To be honest with you, and also I had yeah. the perfect mix of of living in Tallow and Tallow back then was was very small. The square wasn't even built, and yeah. all that type of stuff. The Tallow bypass was was only being built, and I had uh, <laughs> had all the travellers living on it and all that type of stuff. So it was a bit of a mad old time with to go back pot, then. Yeah. yeah, it was deadly, and then I. We'll go back up to Sagard and literally Sagard had tumbleweed going through it. There was no city west. There was none of that going on. It was all farmers' fields and everything. So we used to go back up and work for the farmers during the summers with my cousins and everything. Yeah. So it was great old childhood. Moved back up then to Sagard. My mom and dad bought a site and built a house. So that was my first kind of insight into proper construction. Um, what age would you been around then? I was in second year in school. Um, so, and again, in a bit of a mad one, I didn't get into the local school mm. for because of numbers and I had to go into... Sing Street in town, so I was okay, yeah. going to school in Sing yeah, Street in town. Spin, all right, yeah. So yeah, so I had, uh, uh, but my dad worked in Clanbastle Street in town, so all we right. used to go in with him in the yeah. mornings, and uh, then back out. But uh, yeah, so we moved back out to Sagart then, and then I went to Rackhill Community School then from fifth and sixth year on. So it was a good mix. I got I got to see a lot of uh, different cultures and yeah, different cool. places. Yeah, it's yeah. great to be exposed yeah. to that. Yeah. And then, I, like yeah. I know from chatting off air, we were saying like sport has been a big part of your yeah. upbringing yeah. as well. So can you talk, tell us a little bit about that and where you're at because you did more than just one sport. Yeah, I, I, I suppose I was very lucky in that um, my mum and dad really put me, my brother and my sister into sports earlier, especially myself and my brother and my sister came along a bit later. But um, so myself and my, I have an older brother, Stephen, and we did karate together. We did swimming together, played soccer uh, together. Well, I suppose, you know, in, di- in the same clothes but at different ages. Stephen's two years older than me. Yeah. So, yes, I was, I suppose, very lucky in that. I excelled quickly in a lot of the sports. Like, one stage I was Irish karate champion, Dublin Community Games swimming champion, uh, played representative football for all the, the, the top, uh, for the league teams and all that type of stuff. I was banging in goals left, right and centre and a lot of stuff going well for me. I was very fast when I was younger. I had a little baby face on me, uh, 
I looked about three years younger than I was, but I was able, able to play even with the school teams. I used to always play a couple of ages up and all yeah. that. So I got all that mixed. But I suppose a huge influence on my life back then would have been my brother Stephen. So yeah. Stephen, a couple of years older than me, but I suppose I was faster than him. And I, I, I was, I used to always kind of get onto teams ahead of him and stuff like that, which was a bit frustrating for me. But he always was so supportive of me and he had an unbelievably good mindset really young. And he he really was like he was like he was born coach. He's gone on now. He's actually currently the the under nineteens Longford Town coach, and good, yeah. he's involved with the Irish under twenty one team as well with Jim Cornwall. Cool, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah they're doing support. great at the moment. Yeah, yeah super. So Stephen's life, he got he actually got a, a merit award from the FAI for his commitment to football, Fantastic, and fully yeah. deserved. So, yeah. but having someone like that beside you um, from an early age like That's that that helped me yeah, a yeah. massive amount because I was <laughs> a hot headed. Uh, Redhead, and I was, uh, you know what I mean? I, I'd fly into a tackle and I just, I was so competitive. I hated losing, hated losing, like, take me days to recover from a loss, you know? Where do you think that came from? Was it just naturally in you, or was it? My mom, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, my mom is the fire, and my dad is the is the calmness yeah. in, 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 in our family. And yeah. look, two huge, hugely supportive parents, you know, like a, a good, solid, uh, I was very lucky to have a very good, solid childhood. My mom, my mom, is is originally from Sagard and she has that Sagard fire in her. I can tell you that now. Right. And uh, she she would uh, certainly let you know very quickly, you know, if she if she liked you or not, you know, in the right, first yeah. ten seconds. And uh, she was strict on us and all the rest of it. But um, my dad is much calmer and like so. My dad like would bring us to every football match, every karate competition, every. Uh, anything that was going on. Well, it must have been flat out because this was all happening at the same time. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah like yeah, you, yeah. Every, every day you're probably at stuff, yeah? Yeah, well, Saturdays and Sundays were literally my, my dad driving myself and brother Stephen from karate to swimming to competitions to matches. But Gaelic, do, just this, to, to give people perspective here because you're kind of, because I know you'd sent it on to me in advance was asking a few bits and pieces. Like, yeah. You weren't just like doing karate, like you were karate champ for how many years in Ireland? For how many years in a row? And uh, shoulder can karate champion for six years in a row. Um, from what ages roughly? Um, about under ten up to about under 16, 17. So that's like that on its own is unbelievable achievement. But on yeah. top of that, you're swimming. And where are you at with swimming around the same? Well, swimming, so I swam competitively. So every morning I used to go sw swimming down in in, in Tala uh, swimming pool. We'd uh, we go swimming in the mornings, and my dad would collect me. So I used to get lift off. The local baker's daughter was uh, in the swim. <laughs> yeah. yeah and I used what to time of the day are you getting up at to go and do that? Uh, about that's half early. five in the morning. Yeah. And then go Before around, going to school, like, yeah. Yeah. So there's always a smell of chlorine off me in <laughs> school. But uh, yeah, so we'd swim in the morning and then, um, yeah, go to school, play whatever with the school, then soccer, training. Uh, I picked up guy a bit later in life. It's probably one of my regrets. I probably would have, I could have, I see I was a better soccer player, younger than I was a guy player. Yeah. But as the years went on, I actually liked Ga more. Yeah, yeah, I know where you're coming from there. I yeah. excelled more in Gaelic in my later years than I did in my younger years. Yeah. And I was still very lucky. I played Division 1 with, with, with St. Mary's for a good few years. So that's still a really high standard, we a, yeah. Yeah, we had, a, we had a couple of really, really good years. Mm. Um, won the league in 2004 as well, and that type of stuff, Division 1, which is unheard of for a small club. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I, I, I suppose to round up the childhood, I... I had a very good, solid childhood, but I suppose I, I didn't socialise a lot outside of my sport, if you know what I mean. I didn't, I didn't have time. time yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played football with all the lads, like you'd go up in the local green and all yeah. that type of stuff. And I had some really good friends, but I just loved sport from a young age and everyone was going, even back then, oh, he's going to burn out, he's going to burn out, but like, I'm still doing it, you know, at this yeah. age and I haven't burnt out yet, you know. With the with the individual side of, say, swimming and karate versus the team side yeah. of getting into the football, like, had you one preference of one over the other? Like, like obviously, as you've got older, you've got more, what is, 
you've more leaned towards as you said the GA there as yeah. you got a little bit older like was that a factor for you as well or do you like is there certain elements you like from both yeah I love I love a bit of both because I'm still doing both like yeah. you know I've I've picked up jiu-jitsu lately and I, I'm still doing mar, like martial arts I train MMA and SBG at the moment but I still love playing the guy I'm involved with the Dublin Masters over 40s we'll have a chat about that in a while but um, and I love playing I played just at the weekend in the Joe McNally tournament there with St Mary's and that was brilliant as well so I love I love both but I'm very competitive when it comes to individual sports yeah. um, and I, I really I put myself under pressure I'm probably I've always been my own worst critic I didn't need someone to tell me whether I played good or bad I knew myself you know even when someone's gone oh you played great I'm like no I didn't I missed two yeah you scored two yeah but I missed two I should have scored you know that type of thing you know if one of your Mary's teammates was sitting beside you now and I asked them what's <laughs> Peter Finn like as a teammate what do you think he'd say um, it's gas because in soccer I was always a scorer whereas in in and because of that, when I played Gad, he used to always put me in the forwards. But then, when I got to my thirties, I started playing centre back, yeah. and that's where my position. Number was. six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's my usually position. the best player the team plays there. Well, I played centre midfield in soccer as well, yeah. and I felt it was the same role, you yeah. know. And I'm very physical, yeah. and like I, I will win ninety percent of of a fifty fifty ball. And I suppose that's the first thing probably it's people that say and a forwards nightmare. So yeah, yeah. look, if people know St Mary's, we one in all in is is our yeah. is our attitude. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I would certainly be someone that would back that up. I, I've got a couple of cousins who are exceptional footballers as well, yeah. Brian Kelly and Benji Kelly. I think Benji has touched off most of the the senior footballers. <laughs> <laughs> if you lads not their head, yeah, they, they yeah. know who Benji is. Yeah. His hands are like shovels. But um, we had a very good team. We like again when I moved up to Raccoon, our school teams were exceptional. You know, we had about six or seven lads that were playing hurling with Dublin and GAA with Dublin and we're savage soccer players as well. So. Again, we had a lot of people who were kind of spread across them sports and it was a huge population burst as well out around the area. Mm. So we, at one stage, we had like four teams in St. Mary's, which would be unheard of adult teams. Right. And then there was uh, Raccoon Boys at two soccer teams, three soccer teams, and then there was another even soccer team started up. So, you know, that has changed. Like, all, they've all grown up now and have kind of moved out of the area and have yeah. their own families going on. But um, that, that was the kind of environment that I grew up in there, which was brilliant, you know. It was really, really positive, real good community vibe and all that going on. Yeah. I, I loved that. I really yeah. enjoyed that. I look, it sounds like a really good melting pot there. Like, mm. again, I'm father of two young kids, a four-year-old and two-year-old, and I'm really, like, don't want to force it, but I really hope they end up in some form of sport, whatever they're into, because ah, yeah. you just see the values. Like, I grew up playing football and a little bit of GA as well. Yeah. And it's like, like most of my friends and contacts I have now in, in my life today yeah. are from that back in the day. And that was yeah. huge. And then, like, we'll get into it now in a bit about run your own business as well. How much of an yeah. outlet it can be to still have something like that is massive as well, you know? Yeah, it's it like is. A form of meditation. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. Like, I, 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 again, even from a young age, I always said to myself, no matter what's happening outside of my life, let's say, it doesn't matter what it is, like going through puberty, there's all sorts of stuff going through your head. Once I crossed the line of a, a credit competition or a, a football match, that was it. I didn't think about anything else. Mm. I just concentrated on what I was doing in front of me. And that was great detox to me. And even to this day, like my mom would say to me, oh, you need to go and do a kickboxing session or something. Cause when I, you're in a bad mood, yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> you know, my wife Sharon is the same. She'll say, you know, you need to go and play a match or yeah. whatever because that's my, it's always been my detox. And it's not a bad one. There could be a lot worse uh, yeah. ways of, of, of <laughs> well, look, decompressing. It's great insight there because it shows us like, again, you've, you've, you've had a really good blend of urban life versus obviously like yeah. living, living on the farms as you're saying obviously they're not that far apart in terms yeah. of distance but they're yeah. very different in their environment especially when you're younger mm. and then like the disciplines you get from the individual sports we're talking about there and being at such a high level and then getting into the team sport so there's loads of things going on there so what I'd be very keen now is to talk about 
you now going down your career path yeah. and how a lot of this has maybe fueled that. So let, let's see where this goes. So can you tell us, like, yeah. did you did you go to leaving cert and then decide to go and do a trade after? Or what was the pathway yeah, there? Yeah, I did. My mum was not letting me leave school unless I got my <laughs> leaving cert, you know, and fair play to her for that. I, I actually was okay in school. I, like, I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't struggle in school. I got an, an okay leaving cert. I was happy enough with it. I could have went to college if I wanted it, but I never wanted it. I, I always wanted it. When, when my mum and dad built their house, I said, that's it. I want to be a builder. That was, yeah. I, I, I knew then, right back then, I knew. And um, Was there it, a particular builder you, you, that you were looking at going, is this fella's deadly? Or was it just the whole... It was the vibe. The, yeah. like, I, I used to look up at carpenters on a roof on a sunny day and I yeah. go, well, that's that's where I want to yeah. be. And uh, that was it. I just I just always wanted that. And I, I, I didn't think about anything else, to be honest yeah. with you. you know, my mum was very keen for me to go to college. And uh, my brother had gone and, and was doing journalism and media and uh, he was doing well. And I was just like, no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm getting an apprenticeship. Yeah. And I was very lucky. I got a great apprenticeship off a local builder, Huey Riley. Passed away only two years ago, unfortunately. But um, Huey was a small builder. So basically he did, we'd, we'd, we'd go into a site, like a greenfield site, and we would build everything, like dig the foundations, walls, plaster, roof, mm. everything. And we wouldn't leave that house until it was completely finished. So I got an excellent carpentry apprenticeship, but I also got a building apprenticeship. Yeah, you and I the loved whole it. process, yeah. Yeah, and he was a really hard worker. Like he, he had great ethics. Like there was no such thing as, you know, going home early or not turning up on a mm. day. That was, so that discipline was in me, but it was already there from football, but more so even from martial arts. Like that martial arts puts great discipline into into people. And if any... How, how, how so? Just to give us an idea, because I never did martial arts and it's a great... Did you know? Yeah. No. I'm surprised at that now. Well, I was just, I was playing football all the time, yeah. you know? So like, I, I found, like that was, it, there wasn't yeah. really a club near me. It wasn't really, I don't, none yeah. of my friends did it, you know? That's just probably the way it was. So I didn't yeah, see it. It's never too late. It's never yeah. too late. Um, so I suppose in martial arts, it's the first time in your life where you, <laughs> you're told to be there a certain time. You don't turn up for a karate lesson, Lee. Yeah. You certainly didn't with the instructor okay. I was with, Gary Keeley in, in Killing a Man, Shoto Khan. And, uh, you know, you so you, you you have to be there on time. You have to have your suit. has to be clean. has to be whatever. And then you do disciplined, you know, actions. You know, there's like some karate clubs do turn into little like play kindergarten type stuff. I didn't have that. Like our, our karate sessions were very disciplined. So you learned simple forms and, you know, as in, you know, your striking techniques and all that type of stuff. And they're in a disciplined route. And then you go into competition and you understand what it's like to be in combat situations. You know, it's, it was it was semi-contact, so, you know, you weren't in much danger back then. But it felt, you know, it felt like a combat situation. And then, um, you know, so you have all them disciplines with you and consistency is the key as well because you're working your way through your grades of your belts, you know. Like I was looking up for you, I, I was one of the youngest, I think, black belts in the country at the time. I think I got my black belt at 12 or 13. Well, yeah, yeah first time black belt, which was, which was excellent. Took me two goals to get it. I was delighted when I got it the second time. But um, yeah, so that discipline, but also <laughs> sounds mad now, but the work ethic from farming. Yeah. It's like farming, you don't take a day off. You yeah, know? yeah. And I grew up around that. You know, you're obviously from North County Dublin as well, so you see it and you, you know what it's like. Yeah, well, my, actually my dad's from Tipperary, so it's there, prime. Yeah. It's, it's big business down there. Yeah, so yeah. you see it going down as a kid, the same and, thing. And yeah. it's a vocation. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, people totally underestimate that. Like, you know, farmer hunts go on holidays. Who's going to look after it? Yeah, you exactly. Know, you and you've got deadlines that you've got to meet to get the cattle, yeah. you know, cleared out, clean, fed, yeah. all those type of things, milking the cows, all those type of things have set times. And there's just no saying I'm going to take a day off. Mm. It just doesn't happen. So having that in my life as well was very good. So I, I always had them disciplines in my life. And I, it sounds weird, but I actually kind of liked that discipline. And I've always kept myself disciplined, even if I even if I have a free time or whatever, I, I like to have a bit of structure in my life. I think I need it, you know. Mm. 
And I do think it helps you. Like I have a lot going on. So if I didn't have discipline and organization in my life, I, I would be, I wouldn't be able to do the amount of things I do. You'd be getting pulled left, right? Yeah, center, yeah. yeah, exactly. Would, yeah. Uh, no class. So like, again, you went and you did your apprenticeship. So you were 18, 19, 20, that sort of age bracket then. So yeah. what, what was the next step after that? You get you get qualified. Where did you go from there? Yeah, so I, I got my carp carpentry apprenticeship. Um, I was in Bolton Street at the time. And then there was uh, an opportunity to, to upskill then to do a building management um, course. Uh, it was called, called a craft-based technician's course. So I did that. Um, one day a week and two evenings a week. So again, I was very lucky that I was able to do that because I was working a four-day week in college one day a week yeah. and then going in two evenings a you week You needed as a well. job to let you do that. Yeah. It did, I did. And uh, I was able to manage to get that done. Um, then I started, uh, I, I, I started playing League of Ireland football then and I went into Trinity College and I worked in Trinity College for a few years and that helped a lot. Being able to work in an institution like Trinity College while I was playing League what of Ireland football. What sort of, were you, were you doing construction work in there? Or were you doing some... Yeah, well, I went in as a carpenter yeah. and then I went on to manage one or two of the buildings in there as well. And again, that course really helped me yeah. advance in there. And Trinity was a great place, but I kept on having that want to be back out on site, if I'm honest. Yeah. But at that time, I, it, it was a conscious decision I made. I wanted to see what it was like in there. And my dad like was 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 saying, you know, it's a great pensionable job yeah, and yeah. solid job. And I, I absolutely was. And again, it was a, it was a good working environment in there. Again, city centre. So again, I got to see all that culture and all that type of stuff. And, and who were you playing with then in the football side of things? Yeah, so I signed for Atlone Town. I played Lancer Senior League. I played League of Ireland B actually way back in the day under yeah. Brian Kerr. Well, yeah. And, and yeah, with, with St. Pat's. And I'm, I'm, I'm a St. Pat's fan. How and long uh, were you under his stewardship? Uh, uh, a year and a half. And then I... I was a bit bold. I was playing League of Ireland B and I was playing Leinster Senior League at the same right, time, okay, you know. Yeah. You wouldn't get away with it now. Yeah. Well, back then it was, it was a bit freer, you know. Yeah. So I, um, and then Pats w wanted to sign me, but I knew I wasn't going to get into their team. Um, they, they were, I was just going to be a, a B team player, basically, yeah. you know, that was supporting the first team. Were you um, told that or was it just something you I felt knew, yourself? I yeah. knew, I knew yeah. myself and, and Pats were beginning to get, get very good. Like they, they were big, yeah. Yeah, the Brian Morris role playing for them and a few lads that were in my team the B team and they were moving up into the and I knew they were ahead of me you know so I had a choice then to either stick that out and be you know the third fourth choice yeah. player that might get into the first team and then I, I went to CYM Taron York actually and I, and I played uh, there for a year under Joey Malone and then Joey Malone got the Atlone Town, Atlone Town job and I was his first signing. Right. I had a very good season with them. I scored a load of goals and um, he, Joey signed me. Did you just train down there? Were you training in Dublin? Or you, like, what we, was the travel trying to manage all that? We trained once a week in Athlone and once a week in, in Dublin. Yeah. And then matches would be Friday or Saturday or Sunday, yeah. depending on who we were yeah. playing and where it was. That was, that was brilliant. Like, it was, it was a great time. But the motorways weren't built back then. It was a big commitment. Yeah, there's, oh, a, lot. Huge, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of logistics. Like, you know, you're feeling harps away or whatever. Yeah, like, you yeah. know, we can't Co Ramblers on a Friday night. Yeah. I can tell you, that was, a, that was an interesting <laughs> one. But, um, yeah, no, it was brilliant times. I, I really, really enjoyed it, you know, and got to meet like a huge network of people. Yeah. Stephen Kenny was the Longford Town manager at the time. And there you go, yeah. Longford and Athlone are, are big rivals. Yeah, yeah. We, we actually played against each other twice in yeah. the cup. Yeah, and they were, they were going really well. They got promoted and we bet them twice. I scored against them as well, which is, which is probably my... <laughs> so when you get out to Athlone, you're here as well, come, yeah. Well, they kind of forgotten who I am now, but for a while they knew who I was, yeah. But yeah, no, it was great times. Um, played for Dundalk for, for a while as well. So it, it, was, it was good. I really enjoyed it. But all the time, you know, business was getting very busy for me. I was doing a lot of Nixers as well as working. And I, I just had this want in me to get back out on site. Yeah. And I, uh, I just made a mad decision. I just said, right, I'm going to leave Trinity. Um, and I also knew it was going to affect my my football 
career a lot as well because I was actually playing Gaelic as well and think about it at the time for Mary's at the same time so a lot kind of going on what age are you here you're mid-20s roughly yeah I'm 20 yeah. 23, 24 mm. yeah 25 what I, was your parents reaction when you especially your dad if when you left the uh, the pensionable job yeah you, you know he said you know think about it like you're sure you want to do it but you also knew that I you know I was really busy doing doing Nixers mm. as well as everything so like I, I I just had so much going on and I had people wanted me to do bigger jobs. And, yeah, and you were turning you know, stuff down and that was probably eating away at you. Yeah, yeah. it was. And, and there was a, a bit of a boom at the time. It was before the Celtic Tiger, but there was definitely, you know, it was, things were getting busy and it just didn't make sense for me to be someone who was, you know, capable in construction to be in a an institution limited to do what they were yeah. doing. It made sense when I was playing League of Ireland football, but, you know, I had, I had a couple of good seasons in League of Ireland football, but then... I felt that I wasn't going to be a full-time career yeah, for me. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. The, the guy was beginning to really take off as well and I was kind of getting drawn towards wanting to play that as well. Um, so I, I made the decision and I, I basically started playing Leinster League football and I, and I left Trinity and I set up my own business and that was it. So yeah. I went from being busy to being extremely busy. Cool. So that's what everyone says is like, um, I want to be my own boss. I don't want to work nine to five. So I start my own business and now I work all hours all of every day. Yeah. And that's <laughs> what people, that's great. Now you must have loads of time now as you work for yourself. And I was like, yeah, now, now I work for myself, I have no time. Whatsoever, you know? <laughs> and and it's very tough when you're starting off a business. Like, I mean, the hours you put in, yeah. you know, you, I think you know it yourself. Like, I mean, when you work for yourself, you, you open your clothes, you do the accounts, you price, you, you pay the bills, you do everything and you have to do the work. And, yeah. it, and it's, it's hard and some people struggle with the admin side of it and if I'm honest I didn't get my admin correct at the start um, and that caught up with me and, and I had a moment where I was going right, am I able to do this or not yeah. I was well able to do the work on site I was well able to do jobs but I I wasn't um, competent at you know the, the admin side of things I, I think that's natural though as well mm. like I would have been similar and I think you're, you're, when you're doing your business you're naturally going to lean into the stuff you're you're good at and then the stuff you're not as good at, and like yeah. again, like you, you don't want, especially the admin stuff. It's you can call it in in inverted commas an office job yeah. side of it, and you don't want an office job. That's why you've gone and done what you've done. I've set yeah. up a gym for the same thing, but yet there is no matter what you do, there is this element that there is that you have to do, and I think it is a learning curve that. Yeah, uh, and I think like no matter what business you're running, you have to know your numbers as well. You know, that's uh, a big absolutely. part of it. And you know, you can be the busiest fool in the country. Yeah. You know, you can be so busy, and you think you've got cash flow coming, and then when it all <laughs> sells you, you know you've got a huge tax bill or you've, you yeah. know, you've missed something so um, I was aware of that and then I, uh, one of the guys that I'd met in Trinity College Mark Flynn had approached me and asked me he he had left Trinity as well but he'd gone in um, with a with a contractor that was doing work in Trinity College called Michael Duffy and um, they approached me and asked me would I be willing to come on board and, and kind of run one section of their company mm. um, so I said I that I would be interested in that. We did it for a year as a trial and then it all worked out well and we were, were about to kind of consolidate everything together. But unfortunately, Michael passed away. So right, myself yeah, and, yeah. and Mark were in this position where we're in our kind of late 20s, fairly green when it comes to business. Yeah. A huge amount to work on and our mentor passed away. Yeah. Then the Celtic Tiger decided to go on his holidays as well. Yeah. He, he ran away right, and there was all it. sorts of stuff going on, you know. Yeah. And it, that all happened just as we got this approach from a TV company Coco Television to do a show called Room to Improve. It was a startup show. How did it come about? Did you have a contact or did someone know you? Sure. Honestly, this is the God's honest yeah. truth. I got a phone call to my phone and it was a girl called Jane. She says, hi, I'm calling from Coco Television and um, we've been recommended you guys. Would you be interested in doing a TV show? And I was like, well, what is it? And Did you believe her first? Oh, no, I didn't actually. No, I was like, what is this? Yeah. And uh, 
you know, I kind of got the concept. I kind of, I thought it was a makeover show, but back then, room to improve was basically you added one room to your house on how you yeah. had one room. But it improve. hadn't started at this stage. This was so like no one knew who yeah. was or yeah. anything. Like you know, it was just literally the very first thing. So I, I called Mark. I said, "Look, this is after happening. We'd been recommended by an engineer that we'd done a couple of jobs for, and that was it. Like so, <laughs> I met with Jane and Darren Bannon in in a cafe. Myself and Mark did, and uh, they showed us the plans. And then we went around the corner and looked at the job and. Um, I said, well, okay, well, we are interested, very capable of doing this. It's not a big deal. I said, so when do you want to start? Oh, it's starting next week. We're like, what? Next week? <laughs> and they're like, so that's how, the, how how Room to Improve got started. Yeah. They kind of got commissioned and I was like, right, go, go, go. And go. in your head back then, did you think it was just like going to be a one-off thing? <clears throat> and oh, geez, we might maybe get a little bit of publicity off and that'll be it. Or where, where was your head at? Can you remember? Yeah, it was hard to know. Like, again, you see, it hadn't been on television before, so you yeah. didn't understand the concept of yeah. it. And I suppose the fear people always have is about going on television, are they going to make a fool out of themselves? Yeah. So can I be very it's like, successful? It's like public speaking, but on yeah. a whole other spectrum again, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so you can, you really are putting yourself out there, you know, and um, again, it takes a certain type of person to be comfortable in that that role, you know. I, I actually, I, I never even said this before, but I, I was on a TV show called Treasure Island. I don't know if you remember that. Oh yeah, that was the, was that the boat? No, everyone no. says that. That's classic. Uh, yeah, you know, so the boat came along after. So Treasure Island, they've done two series of Treasure Island, which was basically, it was the Irish version of uh, Survivor. Okay, so yeah. So got bought, brought to an island in Tonga, believe it or not. Right, and yeah. split up into two teams and you had to survive. So I, I got to the, the final of that. So I had a taste of, of TV. Yeah, it was a reality yeah. TV show. Yeah. deadly, like living on an island. And, you know, what age were you then doing that? It was just after, it, it was it was about, I was 25, I think. Some experience, yeah. It was quality, yeah. I was so cool. I still have some some great friends, Tom yeah. Burton. I met Tom, uh, Tom on, on Dredge Royal, and he's still a mate of mine today. And it gave me great TV experience, though, because I could understand the background of it and all the rest of it. It was a reality TV show, but I got the opportunity to talk to a camera. So I'm still more comfortable talking to a camera than I am to a room full of people now, mm. you know, which people think is mad, but that's the it truth is of it. mad, like, yeah. <laughs> I have no problem, because I also know that you could say a thousand things into, this, into the camera and like one line of it actually make yeah. it onto the thing. So I always just relax and just say what I've got to you're say. You're a good editor, you're all right. Yeah, so. exactly. But uh, yeah, so that was great. So then I knew when I went into Room to Improve that there was a television side to this as well, whereas I think a lot of other people went in going, oh, I must make sure that you know, I put the screw in the right place and I do all, every every yeah, part of yeah. my construction is going to be examined. It's not. Yeah. It's a TV show. And I got that concept early. So I enjoyed the first show, got on very well with Dermot. And just on the last day of the first show, he done what he does. He came in and he kind of, oh, we're going to move that. And I says, no, we're not. And literally the whole place went silent. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, we're, we're moving. We have to move that. And I said, Dermot, I said, if I move that, I'm going to be here till two o'clock in the morning. I have the whole place clean. The people are about to move in and it doesn't need to be moved. And I haven't priced for it. And he was like, oh, well, well, I really think it would look better and this, that, and the other. And I said, well, I'm not doing it. No way. I'm like, where, where's the QS? Let's go through this, you know? Yeah. And they absolutely loved that. Gold that TV, was, yeah. That, of course, <laughs> what got shown the most was that yeah. bit, you know? And then, cause like, so it, it was what they wanted. It was yeah. like, you know, it, it was outside of the generic thing. So I was the first one to kind of give him a little bit of guff. Yeah. And I realized then very quickly, he, it was just literally the, the fieriness coming out with me and the reality of the situation. Like, he was asking yeah. me to do something that was ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, then I did, I ended up doing f uh, nine episodes of A Room to Improve. So the every Room to Improve series is six episodes long. And I done the first seven series of it. And I was the builder on two episodes in two of the series, if that makes sense. So I did nine of, of the Room to Improves. And I got to the stage then where I'd been there and done that. Uh, things were busy. And Room to Improve started off as a half an hour long, actually. And yeah. uh, it, it grew, I think it was series 
five or six before it went to an hour. Yeah. And um, then it really took off and there It's massive now. Like, oh, it's, it's huge. Yeah, like, like, it's I, don't, I don't know the numbers, but it's definitely one of the most watched shows. Like, oh, without yeah. a shadow of doubt. Really, it, it is. And it's a great show. It still is very yeah. good. But um, so we'd been there and done that. And then they, they kept asking us to price job on, or price jobs on it. And I, like, you just don't make money when you're on the road. Yeah. That's the guy's honest yeah. truth. It does help your profile. It yeah. does help, you know, and during the tough years as well, you know, during the recession years, it definitely helped. We're grateful because of that, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. you know. Um, so, and I got, I, I actually really did enjoy Dermot. I don't like working with him because he's difficult to work with in that way, but uh, I definitely like him as a person and all yeah. the rest of it. But we'd been there and done that. There was no need for us to do it anymore. So we stepped back and we didn't do it for a few years. Around that time, I got married as well and had, had uh, we had our first child as well. And then about three years after I'd done Room to Improve, Coco Television, same girl, Jane, actually, who had been the, the, the main person on... Um, all of the room to improve jobs yeah. called me again and said, "Hey, we have a new show." And I was like, "I oh, know, Jane. Look, I've been there, done it. Thanks very much." And she said, "No, look, this is a different show. It's a different concept. You'll you'll like it and all the rest." Of it. And I said, "Look, there's loads of builders out there that you got room to yeah. go and talk to them." So she kept at me, and uh, eventually I did meet her. And sure, as soon as I met her, that was it. I was on board, and uh, I didn't realize, I suppose, what it was. I thought it was like another makeover show. It was originally called Desperate Houses, was it? Yeah, yeah the first ep- yeah. first series was called Desperate Houses because that was it. It had been a. Uh, there had been a series of Desperate Houses like I think eight or nine years before that okay yeah and they kind of just it's obviously a play off Def- Desperate Housewives and there was probably yeah, a exactly. title for it yeah 100% yeah. but then they realised like Desperate Houses is a negative thing yeah, kind of you yeah, know it could be taken a different way yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and look Home Rescue was like the furthest thing from negative you could you could ever yeah, think it, of it, it's, it's so a good positive. fit for what it is yeah. yeah made much more sense and so we did Home Rescue then for two years and myself and Roisin and then they, it became that was a half an hour show and then it got the, the hour long then after that and yeah. Six series later, here here we are, you know. Yeah, and just to, like just in case someone hasn't seen Home Rescue, like as I said to you, I'm a genuine fan of this. I love it because ah, the, the summary was that, like, when you watch the Room to Improve, it's I love watching that as well. Mm. It's fantastic. But again, it's that thing you watch where you go, like, this is probably something you do once in your life, where you go, yeah. you need the big bank loan, you do the whole thing, and you, you go for it. Whereas with Home Rescue, there's a lot of little bits in it where you're like, geez, we could actually do that next week if you, you know like there's lots of small yeah. bits in it because again it's I suppose it's at the smaller budget smaller scale yeah. like the the people you're helping out haven't gone to the bank and got no. the 300 grand loans a different no. animal completely yeah. uh, can you tell us a little bit about the just to summarise what the show is is all about yeah so um, basically it's it's homes all over the over the country of Ireland um, north, south, east and west and uh, basically Usually the house has got on top of people in terms of there, there could be clutter in the house, the house isn't functioning for them. Sometimes people just don't have any money to put into the homes. There's usually a need, it could be a, a health issue. You know, we work a lot with, with, with maybe where the, the kids may be ill and life just catches up on people, you know. And um, when that happens, what happens is your house just becomes a house. It doesn't become a home. It, it basically is a functional place where you sleep, you eat, and then you go wherever you're going. And what, what we do in Home Rescue is People give us the keys to their house. They leave for a week. And uh, the first crew in is the declutter crew. And uh, they come in, they literally take all the clutter. And, and even if the house isn't that cluttered, they just strip the house out. And then I arrive at about one o'clock on the first day and I meet with the designer. Um, D. Coleman is the designer yeah. now. and um, it's, just, it's just a stripped out, pretty much empty yeah. gaff, isn't it, when you walk in? Yeah, Yeah, and then D shows me the plans. Now, I would have seen the plans before I get there, like being totally honest. You, yeah. You're not walking into it completely blind, but when you strip a house out, you're like, oh my God, there's a radiator there. I didn't see that yeah. radiator. There's no power here. You know, that type of stuff yeah. happens all the time. And uh, then we hit the house really hard for four days, well, three and a half days. And then, so usually we start on a Monday. I don't get there till one o'clock, as I said. And then it's, I've got that period of time to hand the house back over. So Thursday evening, I'm gone 
we only done one last week actually and I didn't get out of it until uh, it was uh, 12 o'clock at night when I was driving home so but that's a whole different like again obviously you have the pressure when you're doing Room to Improve but like mm. that's a long term project over yeah. weeks and months and it's kind of if it, I mean, I'd imagine if it has to take an extra week to get it right you probably get that permission whereas with this like you're all in for you've three or four yeah. days like you know oh, on a very yeah. small budget yeah. or whatever like it's huge like yeah. pressure on you it, yeah. it is and the battle usually is like you know D might want to get me to do a bit more than yeah. what I can, I'm well, capable of I'm sure like when you strip stuff back and then hurt like I imagine if I was an architect and you're there in the environment, you get brainwaves yeah. as you're going along and then it's... Absolutely. And, and I'm going to be honest, there's times where I go, oh, look, we have to do this for them, you know, yeah. because of whatever the need and the people is. So then sometimes I commit to something and then I'm like two or three days in going, oh my God, what did I commit to? You know? <laughs> it's two so o'clock in the morning and you're on your hands yeah, and knees in the yeah, kitchen going... So all that is real. It's a very honest show in fairness, you know, and yeah. it's a very positive show. And I know it sounds corny, but you genuinely do change people's lives. You like, definitely you, do. And without the, shadow the human stories in it are really powerful. Oh, yeah. Like I was watching one of the episodes I've seen recently was it was out in where was it outside out, Bally Brack I think it was yeah, yeah. and um, like it was a lovely couple young couple they'd young kids but when they stripped it back it was like the, the poor the lad there he'd lost his brother and his mother very close yeah, together yeah. and it was the family home they were living in so it wasn't just like this yeah. physical premises of four walls there was huge emotional ties to what they were doing and then absolutely, you know. you're coming in trying to try, you're, you're trying to uh, upgrade the house but you're also trying not to lose sight of what it is and the homely yeah. feeling he has like there's massive pressure yeah. I think he had a loft upstairs that that's he right. used to sleep he in when his brother was saying yeah. his brother passed away yeah. and like he literally was telling us like that's that's where my brother used to sleep Yeah, there was like still some of the summer his, his brother's clothes in the house yeah. and all that type of stuff and look every job is different as well you know like the, people have an awful lot of emotional attachment to certain items yeah. But then they end up keeping like loads of stuff like, you know, just clothes and yeah. stuff that they don't need. And that just clutters up the whole place. Clutters, yeah. Even their own clothes and, and like, you know, just stuff. And then like some people just go, I won't, I don't need it now, but I'm going to need it in a few years time. So I'm going to keep that yeah. cot just in case we have another. We're all guilty of that. Like we even like if you've, yeah. if you're spacing your wardrobe, you tend to fill it with clothes. Whether yeah. you wear it or not, you're not going to throw it out because yeah. you have to hang it in the space. But what happens when you do that then is your house doesn't function properly yeah. because it's, it's basically overloaded. It's like anything, you know, if you overload anything, it's not going to work, you know, and we what we do really well is strip the whole place back and then you you, you get the option to keep something so mm. you know you kind of have three options definitely gone definitely staying we're going to make a decision with that one in the yeah. middle and the 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 declutter crew uh the clutter busters do that and um, there's a chap Aiden who does that very well as well yeah. and very empathetically yeah, it's tough yeah because people are looking part yeah. with, with stuff they've had yeah. years and, yeah. and again like that they can't bring it all back in it yeah. kind of defeats the purpose of yeah. what you're doing if they do and yeah. in the meantime we're back trying to put the house back together again after <laughs> pulling it apart and we do some big stuff like I mean like full kitchens knocking out walls um, like I've seen you dry like, there was one recently what you had to dry line the whole place it yeah. was a country house it was massive it and that it was wasn't <laughs> part of the budget until we got there and I was like you just couldn't like you can paint the wall but sure like you, you wouldn't be gone down the road and the condensation yeah, all over, yeah. You know? so th things like that do pop up and again I, you know it might sound as though I'm just saying this but the truth of it is I won't walk away from something unless it's right yeah, yeah. But, but first of all I'm being totally honest I don't want to be called back and second of all, <laughs> I just wouldn't do something wrong. You know? yeah. So that's the choice. I always go, well, look, we can do this much really well. If we try and do another room or we try and do, we, we might get to do it, but we won't get to do it mm -hmm. properly. Like I can't have callbacks. I won't have callbacks and I won't do something unless it's functional and, and done right. And to a, to a high quality because like, you know, the, the lads, like we've been doing it a lot, long time now. So like we've done, I've done 37 of them now at this stage. Well, so, yeah. You know, we have a good system and yeah. a great crew and, of and lads. And it's mostly your crew, is it? That, yeah, it's all my yeah. crew. Like DIY SOS is a similar type show, but they, yeah. do, they do bigger jobs, yeah. bigger budget, but and also... Different people from different backgrounds all pile yeah, in. Yeah, my worst nightmare. Like, man, 
like turning up and there's 50 people there going, I'm a carpenter, I'm a carpenter. I'd be like, oh, geez, Yeah, that'd know. be hard. No, it's hard yeah. to manage, I'd So we've got yeah. four and a half, well, three and a half days, four days to, to get a huge amount of work done. I can't be learning about this person. That, that was actually seen yeah. that stood out to me in that episode of The Country House. I think you went in and realised the scale of what needed yeah. to be done. And the next scene is like you outside in the garden on your phone, oh, <laughs> like yeah, ringing, yeah. let's go and yeah. look. look. You cancel your plans in yeah. Egypt yeah. down here that right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you? Just a quick reminder that this podcast is sponsored by M50 Skips. So if you're doing a spring clean at home at the moment, make sure you give them a shout. They're a local business based in Santry. Give them a shout. Mention the Bulletproof Dad podcast and they'll give you a 10% discount on your next skip hire. Uh, but look, we always get there in the end with, with a few highs and lows yeah. and a bit of emotion going on. And it's great fun as well now, um, as well. The show is good. There's a great crew, really positive and really positive energy on the show as well, which is which is great. And I, it's not charity, but it's a, it feels as though it's a give back, you know? Yeah, well, in, like being honest, I'm sure you run your own construction company and if you went, if you didn't do those shows and just did the work you're doing, you mm. probably would end up with more money I in would. your back pocket. Without the shadow of a doubt, I do not make yeah. more money by by being on Home Rescue last yeah. week. I would have made more money if I had a state on Yeah, site. yeah. So. But, you know, there's other benefits. Exactly. You know, I have a yeah. profile now, you know, and, and I've built the Pete the Builder brand and I wouldn't have done that without the Home Rescue Show. How do you feel like watching the episodes back? Because I'm sure there's obviously, it goes through, <laughs> it's probably a few months later before it comes out after recording. Is it like, I'm sure there's an editing process and you're waiting for your slot in RT and everything else as a yeah. process. What's it like sitting there? Do you sit down? Because you, you mentioned that you have a family as well. Do you sit down together and watch yeah, it? Yeah, we do, yeah. Yeah, yeah myself and my wife Sharon always sit down and watch them and, uh, you know, the phone's up, you always buzzing with, you know, a few people watching the show and <laughs> yeah. all the rest of it. And, um, you know, it, it, it's good. I, I really do enjoy it, you know, because a lot of a lot of parts I don't see. Yeah. So, like, I don't be there for the declutter part of it. Yeah. I don't be there when people have to make the choices. I've met the people and I've kind of got to know them a little bit, but then I kind of go, oh, now I understand why the guitar meant so much. Yeah. You know, yeah. that type of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and then I, I'd love watching it going, I thought we'd more done by that stage. How do we finish it? Like, I, like literally <laughs> yeah. looking at it going, we still hadn't done the walls. We still hadn't done that. No yeah. way. The painter still hadn't got in at that last day. So I do find it very interesting. And then, look, the, the OMG moment at the end is always very satisfying when the people come in. And it's hugely emotional because they haven't seen the finished product. They yeah. don't even know what room you're working in. Yeah. You know, look, sometimes they have a, a bit of an inkling, but I can tell you now, there's never been one person that's walked in and meant, this is what I thought was going to happen. They, they, they're they blown away, yeah. They're blown away. Yeah. But the quality of the work that we do, the design that D comes up with, you know, the change of people's homes. That's phenomenal. It's like, hugely yeah, emotional yeah. for them as well. They've had that whole emotional week of being away from their yeah. home, the wondering what's going on, having to make these yeah. choices about holding onto stuff or letting it go. Their mind is playing games on them and then suddenly you, 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 you reveal this amazing house for them, you know. And it's like, again, full kitchens, new floors, like fitted furniture, like the, the level of furniture that we do, the fitted furniture is off the charts. And yeah. I'm not just saying that in yeah. such a short period of time. I'm very lucky, like I have all my festival gear and and I have um, like, you know, we have a system that works. Like we arrive with literally a workshop and we, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't stop until it's done. And that's the truth, you yeah. know, so it's a, it's a unique situation for someone. And if anyone has the opportunity ever to be a participant on Home Rescue, Believe me, do it. You get it all for free, by the way, if you're right. a participant. Yeah. But it'll change your life. No, you can see that straight away. Yeah. And I said, like, it, there's so many layers to the problem. Like, again, as it like a DIY enthusiast or yeah. a homeowner, you get value just from watching that alone. Yeah. But then you see the stories, like, you have you in tears, some of it, like, you're listening. And Absolutely. Like yeah. that, there was a really point in one day, going back to the episode, the lad, um, with the guitars who, yeah. uh, who, who had lost his brother and his mother quite close together. And he was saying that his brother, I think the last thing he did before he took his last breath was like put his hand on his wife's bump. She was expecting yeah. a vein. Like, Jesus, like as a father, that yeah. just brings a tear to your eyes straight away. Oh, Jesus Christ. And then <laughs> it's hard for you because you're coming in 
in a builder mode trying to knock shit down and build, you know, like, I, I, it's, it's the, very hard to, to yeah. and if you don't get to see some of that as well till after, it's probably like a revelation then when you're watching the I, I, show. Like, you know, the crew to come back from the declutter scene and you can kind of see there's been a bit of, of a motion a moment, going on. Yeah. I go, yeah, yeah. Okay, come on. We need to do this. Let's go. <laughs> I've got another half an hour to get this finished. Yeah. I, you know, and I just, I have to be like that because it's go, go, go. But look, you know, also, you know, when there's times to be empathetic, I, 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 we can do that. But it is hard. It's like when you're trying to do anything at 100 miles an hour, it's very hard to <laughs> to have all the emotions that you exactly. need. Exactly. Like yeah, you just have time you go into. Mm. Do you have like an alter ego when you're working on those sort of things? <laughs> do, they, do they have a nickname for you or anything like that? I'm sure there's loads of nicknames for me, but uh, yeah, no, look, I, I, well, I, I do do some of the small plumbing, so I, I did change and, and have to crack on how you doing, it's Pete the plumber here, you know what I mean, yeah. Pete the builder, Pete the plaster, Pete the carpenter, Pete, Pete whatever I have to be to get it done, you know. But you're a project manager as well, like you're, yeah. you need to do this, you need to go to that, yeah. go that, like, so there's, there's a lot going on, it's not just that you go in and do your own bit, like, Yeah, you know? absolutely, so yeah. I, I have to pick and choose when I'm going to actually physically work and when I'm going to manage, yeah. and if I get that wrong, it can be, like, if I start trying to work too much rather than managing, it can be massively detrimental because yeah. I can get great job satisfaction and maybe making a unit and then I turn around and go, oh no, I should have had the electrician doing that. I should have, yeah, oh, yeah. God, no, I have to ring you know, to do this, you know. So th that's the tricky part. But look, we have a system and, and the lads that, are, that work with us are great. Like the painters, like poor fellas, like they're trying to paint a wall while like we're <laughs> literally knocking something down on top of them. And <laughs> it's tough going, like it really is. And everybody that, that is on the crew in home rescue and I mean from production to my crew to the declutter people they they deserve huge credit because it is a huge team effort and any part of that that doesn't work has a big ripple effect you know and it's everyone stays positive and everyone is moving at 100 miles an hour it's it's brilliant it's, it, it's great to be involved but like it, it, as a project on its own it'd be highly pressurised but the yeah. fact it's been recorded and like yeah. I'm sure there is moments where you're like like that, you're you're exhausted. You're trying to do yeah, something, yeah, and yeah. then the the architect turns around to you or something. Like oh, I've just had a brainwave about this, and you're probably like biting it. Like like yeah. I know you you have to keep it together, but I'm sure there is times where there's yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's great drama and out into the van to scream into your hands for a few seconds yeah, or whatever yeah. you have to do. Uh, there's been times where and again. The, the the fire repeat the builder does come out with me from time to yeah. time, you know where. But you your know, your work is going to be judged at the end of this, and it's going yeah. all over yeah. TV, you know. So there is a lot of pressure there, yeah. like to be fair, like, you know, a lot of, of like you know, okay, I don't really like that color. So some like if 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 the designer <laughs> chooses a certain color, we paint the whole room, and like, then to change their mind, change yeah. your mind, paint the whole room again. Yeah. Like it it sounds not like a big thing here now, but if you only have a set period of time, you can't be painting the whole room again. You just mm. simply can't do it. That type of stuff can be very frustrating. It doesn't happen that often, but when it does, you just have to try and manage it. You know, we don't have massive conflicts, but there is certainly sparks do fly from time to time. And it's great, though. That's part of the drama, yeah, it you is, know? Yeah. And it's two passionate people wanting to get the best yeah, end yeah, results. Exactly, yeah. End. That's how and that's, conflict brings around the best results generally, yeah, you know. If you but it never goes over a line where, yeah, where you know, yeah. it, it, like, you know, we have our words and then we get back together yeah, and then we go, yeah. right. And right, I look, right. I know myself from the business and it's like that. Something can come at you when you're in a good headspace, you've had a good night's sleep yeah. and you're all good and you just deal with it. It's absolutely yeah, fine. Yeah. But if you're tired, you're fatigued, you're under yeah. pressure, it just, it, the straw that broke, broke the camel's back, you know, when, that little thing. When we're doing the, the scenes at the end where it, like, it could be half 11, 12 o'clock at night, we're all wrecked and I have to do this little scene. I'm going, okay, we've been here and we're heading home now. The job is done. Yeah. Like That takes me about five takes. Like yeah. Normally I'm pretty good. I can yeah. get to like I'm like, how are you doing? We're here. It's um, oh, okay. Hold on, I have to do it again. And all the lads are tired, and, and it's like, always dark out, in you know? the background, though, isn't it? Because it's uh, all hours. Working the goddamn yeah. what time? Yeah. And you know, it's it's tough going, and that those scenes can be a bit <laughs> a bit mad. But no, look again. Do you know what? I I, I do love it though as well. Yeah. I, I love a bit of madness. If I'm honest, I love intensity. I love being busy. 
So I thrive on that situation. Yeah. I really do. I and always have, you know. Do you think that's coming back then from your earlier years? of Because, like, again, if, I'd imagine if you were competing in karate and swimming mm. at those, those high levels and playing football high level, you're, you're always out of your comfort zone dealing with pressure on, on the limits, really, aren't you? Since yeah, a very well, young look, age. I, I suppose, like anything, you know, like if you if you ask me to be the interviewer, I'd be under more pressure than I am now. Okay. You know okay, I mean? yeah. Like, and, and vice versa, yeah. you know. Like if you do something that you're, that you're comfortable doing, like if somebody asked me to play a hurling match, I'd be a lot more under pressure than mm. I would be playing three Gaelic matches in a row because I'm I've I've a very limited ability in hurling. If somebody asked me to play a hockey game, and and then uh, I don't know, you know, even like something that you would you have the the physical ability to do, but you haven't you're not proficient at it. Yeah. That puts me under more pressure than I I could, I have no problem doing two or three things in a row. I do get to exhaustion like every human yeah. does, but I, I've always. I've always worked on small amounts of sleep and, and I, I lo love I love being under pressure. I, you know, as the years have gone on, I've got to manage it better. And, I, you know, in work, I've got six really good foremen. Yeah. And in the last two to three years, myself and my business partner, Mark, have allowed them to take a lot more responsibility now. So I can I can do my home rescue shows knowing that my work is still continuing. And I know, yeah, you've good people you can lean on. Good people trust, in yeah. the background. It's huge. Yeah. That is huge. And yeah. it's about building the team properly around you. I'm quite hard if someone isn't a good fit. Like, I, I just don't have time for that anymore. Yeah. I just cut, cut a person out straight away. No? What would like what would the characteristics be of someone who would stand off the last with you? Well, if someone doesn't turn up on time, if yeah. someone does bad work, if someone is cheeky, if someone doesn't respect a, a homeowner or, or, a, or a client, if someone doesn't respect me, mm. if someone makes a deal with you and then starts to change the deal, no time for any of that stuff, you know. You Bad just, manners really is what yeah. it comes down to a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, come here, look, we all have good days and bad days, yeah. you know. I'm not going to get rid of someone as soon as that kind of thing has happened. But if you're not... It's persistent, yeah. Yeah, like if you're if you're coming on board with my crew, you have to understand the, the pecking order and, the, you know, I'm very respectful to everybody. But when I ask for something to be done, it needs to be done in a certain way at a certain time. I'll let them do it their own way, you know, to a certain extent. But... If that happens two or three times and if someone starts coming back to me and there's a bit of conflict, exactly. well, it's, not, it's not going to work. Standards have to be met. And yeah. like that, if they're not, you're the one that probably has to. And that person call, might yeah. be able to work better with somebody else. Yeah. And that's the way I'd put yeah, it. So, yeah. listen, me and you just aren't going to jail. Yeah. So there's no point in us spending the next three weeks trying to figure out how we're not going to spar with each other. We're better off just going, let's finish up this week and we'll leave it at that. And yeah. I, I used Were to you not always be, like that or is that just more No, I got better at it. It takes a bit of bravery to do that. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't feel it takes bravery now because I'm used to doing it. But I'm very honest with people right from the start. I just go, look, let's see how it goes. Let's work for a day or two. You might not like me. I might not like you. You might not like the lads. You might not like the crew. You might not like the way we do things. Um, let's see how it goes. And sure, look, it sounds mad, but within an hour, I know straight away, like, you know, whether someone's going to work with us or not. Most people do, being honest. Like, you know, we're not that hard to work with. You know, we're, it's easy enough, but... You know, I, I I don't suffer fools that easily. Mm. And what would be the big characteristics that you look for in a person? Integrity, consistency, yeah. honesty, um, competence, manners. What um, does integrity mean to you? What would be what would you define integrity as? We're going to do the podcast on Tuesday or Wednesday. We're going to do the podcast on Tuesday and Wednesday. Okay. You know, this this thing of me being halfway across the thing and then phone calls. Oh, I can't do it today. Can we do it tomorrow? Mm. Um. I'm going to uh, turn up on time on Saturday. I want to work on Saturday. I'll see you on Saturday morning. Be there. So um, do what you said you'd do. Do what you said you'd do, yeah. yeah. I, I put 10 fixings into that thing on the wall. I go over and I look and there's two. Mm. Like, you know, you can't do that type of stuff, mm. you know. Um, and if I can't trust someone, it, it's taking up too much of my time exactly, to manage yeah. that then, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, just, I always say to people, just don't lie to me. You yeah. know, just don't lie to me. I'm actually quite open. Like, I'm, like someone can say to me, listen, I have to go an hour early because to, to collect my kid or whatever. No yeah. problem. Absolutely no problem. Now, if I turn up and you're not there, 
Big problem. Even yeah, if you're just if you found out as opposed to being yeah, told just, in advance. Just yeah. tell me. Just yeah. be honest. Just be open. Yeah. No problem at all. Then you know. And just going back because we've we spoke greatly there about the insight of the work you're doing on TV. But just to go yeah. back to running because you're running a massive business here as well that people might. Well, it's not massive. How many yeah. how many staff you got roughly? Uh, Twenty two. Yeah, that's yeah. a big business. Yeah, well, I call Me- it a big business. Medium sized yeah, business well, it, is what they call it. Technically, yeah. yeah. When you first started off and you you went in with partnership uh, with your friend, um, sorry, uh, Mark Mark yeah. Flynn, yeah, yeah, um. That was, you said, like, Celtic Tiber just kind of went bust around yeah, then as well. Yeah, yeah, with a so like, years did, what, were the, what were the lessons from there? Because obviously, you probably started when things were thriving and no one really foresee this apart from Dave Max, Max, uh, yeah. not Max Savage, uh, Mike Williams. Williams uh, he was uh, the only one that called and no one was yeah, listening yeah, to him and no one wanted to yeah. hear him. But, um, apart, like, where were you at with business? Do you remember? Because yeah, you probably well, learned some hard lessons then. Did yeah, you? I did. Like, I, very I, early in your career. Like, I could have been a lot worse, yeah. you know. Like, I was living in Sagard at the time and City West literally had turned into nearly like a, a village or a city yeah. in itself and there was a huge amount of lads working there and there was a massive amount of, of volume of work going on there and lads thought they were making big money and they were driving around in jeeps and all that and I could very easily have gotten involved in all of that like I was invited into it a couple of times and I I don't know why but I just had this feeling in me that that didn't suit me it sounds mad but I don't like going on to big massive sites I don't like being an ant in the middle of you know okay. 100 people or like whatever it could be 200 people on a site I'd much rather be in a crew where there's 10, 15 people all working together and they all know each other and they're all working. I hate that idea of, you know, because on big sites what happens is the electrician comes in and does what he's got to do then the slabber comes in and does what he's got to do and they don't really care about each other. Mm. A good foreman can kind of manage that but as the scale gets bigger it's much harder to yeah, manage. Yeah. And, you know, you probably call me a control freak or whatever but I don't like that. I don't feel comfortable in that situation. I never did. So that has worked to my advantage in that I usually just work on small uh, jobs like you know, one-off houses, extensions, renovations. Now, they can be quite big and we've done a lot of very big uh, one-off houses, but I've done one development and the, the construction part of it has gone well, but the management part of it outside of that has been very difficult. So I've always uh, been better at doing the one-off houses and I can control that very well and I'm very slick at that and it suits my crew, I suppose, is the best yeah. way to put it. I can't remember what the actual start of the question was. I was just wondering, did you have to fluctuate? Like, did you have to pivot a lot during the, the Celtic Tiger to survive? Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah. So, sorry, yeah. Not the, but the, the bust, sorry, the recession. Yeah, the Celtic Tiger going away, like a lot of people were in big trouble then. And there was no work. See, that was the problem. Like, during the Celtic Tiger years, you just walked off your cash flow. So it was very easy. It just there was, You were always working and there was always money coming in. And always someone looking for the next job, yeah. Yeah, and, and again, it was it would, like, if there was a bill there, it was grand because you could just, but then what happened was, it slowed down and and, and the, the cash flow coming in dried up and you're like, okay, hold on now, how much have we got left here to pay people? And I didn't manage that properly and that was the big thing that came out, out of that. So it was a huge, like I, I truly do believe you learn more in your mistakes than you do in your yeah, victories. You know, there's yeah. no doubt about that. And I, I, I'm 100% convinced of that. Like when I do jujitsu, I actually let myself get caught and I go, right now I kind of know how I can stop that from happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas if I just keep dominating pe- people and just locking onto them, I'm not going to learn, you know? Yeah. I'm still doing that a bit, but, you know, that's the, like, I, you, you learn better in your defeats than you do in your in your victories, in my opinion. That's a great it's, summary there. If anyone yeah. took anything from today, I think that would be a huge one there. Just yeah, fantastic. and you have to learn from them. And, and like, I had a lot of success in my life in my sports thing, but I remember Alan Shearer actually saying once, I was a huge fan of Alan Shearer, and he, he'd scored a hat-trick or something, and someone's going, Alan, why aren't you? You know, celebrating and he goes well he says look I, I I will enjoy my victory but he says when I miss a penalty next week I won't let that get to me either so mm. I'm going to enjoy my victory now but I'm not going to go over the top of it but also when things don't go right for me next week and when you're telling me how come you missed two penalties or you missed three chances Alan 
I still will stay at the same party. And I love yeah. that. I was like, that's a great way of yeah. thinking, you know? So, you know, absolutely enjoy when something goes right for you. But remember, something bad's going to come. Away, yeah. Don't get too carried away with that. And I suppose back to the Celtic Tiger thing, we under, like we learned how to manage our, our cash flow much better and, and to to make sure that you weren't relying on cash flow in particular, you know, mm. to, to make sure that you manage. So we, we run every, to this day, we run every job individually. So we have literally an account set up, not a bank account, but like an, a, an, a, a, an account uh, set up within our own system for every job. So when the money comes in for that job, we pay for that job. Mm. Out. So so we can tell which jobs are going well and going bad, but it doesn't allow one job kill the other jobs. Gotcha, yeah. You know? Yeah. It takes a while to get there and yeah. it takes a good bit of administration, but we finally are close to it. It's still not perfect, but, you know, it allows allows us never get into a position where one bad team could ever cause a, a huge problem in yeah. our company. And all the while you've this going on between the TV career and then also building this business that you're building, you also have family man as well. So yeah, you're married yeah. and you have three daughters as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. very lucky man. I've got a beautiful and very supportive wife, Sharon. And um, Sharon met me while I was playing loads of mad stuff and doing loads of things. And I, she was obviously attracted to that in some way. She and knew what she was getting herself She knew what she was getting herself into. And she, look, she, she has uh, two horses and she's uh, she loves kickboxing and stuff like that as well. So, you know, I let her do what she does. And look, but in fairness, without her, I, I would be nowhere near being able to do what I do. And what ages are your girls then at the moment? Yeah, three three daughters. Put you on the spot here. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. I, I have Misha is nine, uh, Emma is seven, and Holly is six. And so. you, do you have them involved in sport now? Are you trying yeah, to... Yeah, yeah. What sort of stuff have you got? Yeah, got well, well they, they, they play for St. Mary's. They do gymnastics. Um, they, they, they love drama. Um, we do uh, daddy wrestling, as it's called, which is... <laughs> yeah. They don't really realise it, but I'm teaching them all sorts of different combat moves, you know, but they love it and it's done in a fun way um, and they love coming watching me playing matches and definitely Dublin Masters. They love coming to, to that. They love support Dub yeah. sporting Dublin and Seeing their daddy well. in the, just for people who don't know Dublin Masters, it's... it's Dublin it? over 40s. Over 40s, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's a it's an All-Ireland tournament that's, that's run through every county. Um, well, it was uh, 19 counties, I think, in, in the last one. Um, it's grown over that over a few years. It's, a, it's an absolutely brilliant initiative. So, Pretty much, I'd, I'd kind of had my sports career, played at a high level, then got married and had the business stuff going on. Yeah. So I was tipping away, playing a few things, but, I, you know, family life took over mm. and I um, was really lucky and, and enjoying the family life side of things. But jobs have that grow to come back. And then I got a phone call off Gary O'Connell from Aaron's Oil himself and, and Noel Crossan had basically taken the mantle up of getting the double masters back up and running. And, and it wasn't a trial, but we, were, we just said, look, we're all getting together and come down. So... About 50 lads ended up um, coming together as a panel. A few lads dropped off, and but at over 40s, you need a big panel. And yeah. uh, it was just one of the one of the best experiences in my later life ever to happen How many for me. years are you doing it now? Well, 2018 was when when Gary and, and Noel um, got it back up and running. Yeah. So um, I've been with it every year since. Yeah. Obviously, there was one year with COVID where, where that didn't happen, but we, we won it in 2018. The whole All-Ireland competition. Yeah, 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 which is amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's some year that year. So yeah. what age are you there? You're getting an All-Ireland medal. Yeah. Like, yeah supposedly, well, well, I was actually 42 at the time. Um, a lot of lads were... So you, you just have to be 40 the year of of the year you're playing so so <laughs> if you're 39 of your passport in certain games yeah, people yeah, are watching absolutely yeah. yeah yeah but um yeah so yeah that's it and, and again there's no age limit after that you can be whatever yeah. age you want after that um but we 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 got a lot of buy-in off some really good players like we had Ray Cosgrove playing for us Class, Shane yeah. Ryan, Pat Andrews, yeah. Magpie McNally like pretty much every player that was there had played 
Division One football for a long period of time, yeah. uh, or inter county, and it was great. Just to, like it was funny because again, I, I kind of mentioned earlier, but myself and my cousin Benji and another St Mary's guy, Coiner, uh, came into come into the dressing room, and uh, you're walking into a dressing room with these guys where you've always played against them, you know. Yeah. And uh, it was like, oh, how, <laughs> yeah. how are you? How's it going? Uh, yeah. How are you? You know that type of thing. But then, sure, look. 20 minutes later, we're all training together and having the crack. Yeah. And we had a savage team, savage team. So we, we went on and we won it that year. And we've actually got to the final every year since. Um, Tyrone have kind of taken over and uh, they have uh, Stephen O'Neill and Ryan McMenamin. And, yeah, all those. Yeah, yeah. Cabinet. Those names still give me chills from they all watching football all back in the day. All stars, yeah. you know. They so, us a few tough days as Dublin fans. Yeah, so they, yeah. they have that team coming through. So they've won it the last three years. And do you so. travel all over the country doing that as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like playing inter-county yeah. grounds. And Savage, yeah. Yeah, it's deadly. But it's taken seriously. Like, you yeah. know, like it's a social side of it. So the kids come and, you know, when we play at home, we usually try and get it. Like a lot of matches are played during the summer. So we'll have like an ice cream van there. And Class, after yeah. every game, the both teams come together and all the kids come together and a big photograph is taken together and obviously if a team has travelled like you know you'll have a bit of food and all that type of stuff so it's a really good social element to it as well and look I'm going to be totally honest I at that stage had kind of my fitness had dropped a little bit and then suddenly I got this call and I was like whoa I'm playing for Dublin here I need to get my stuff back together here now yeah. you know so I, I can remember it well when I started off and I'd be this is this sums me up actually I remember doing the first training session and I rated everybody in my head, if that makes sense. Okay. And I had myself in the high 20s, maybe even touching in the 30s in the in the whole team, if you know what I mean. Okay, yeah. In terms of fitness and if I was picking the team. <clears throat> and I de then and there said to myself, I'm just going to slowly work my way up. Excuse me. Thanks, <clears throat> I just said to myself, I'm going to slowly work my way up and get into this team. And I did. Hmm. By the time we'd got to the semi-final, I started the semi-final right, yeah. that year. I was, I was, that was a huge proud moment for me. Um, what did you do? What was the work that you did? Was well, I, I, I need to get myself fit, yeah. fair, yeah. But also uh, playing centre back, Shane Ryan was there as well. So um, it was a tough, <laughs> tough, tough man to move yeah. to the side. But um, Shane actually ended up getting injured for the semi final. But it was like I was very close. Shane could play in two or three different positions, mm -hmm. and uh, it was it was about just um, I suppose getting. Uh, to understand what the management wanted and I made sure that I did a good, very good job for them in that role and made myself very hard not to pick, you know. And if I wasn't playing, I was one of the four subs in, which was brilliant. And I got myself extremely fit and and just did did the simple roles well. And uh, the management, you know, seeing that. I'm a very good talker on the pitch. I've always been well able to talk. I played centre midfield and centre forward in soccer for years. And again, I would have learned off of some, some very experienced players that communicating can actually eliminate a massive amount of effort and can pull the team together. Mm. You know, I mean, the captains of, of, of teams and that type of stuff as well. Over but the surely years, so. you see the crossover there with like, talking about home rescue from it, yeah. you know, your project manager yeah. and in an a tense situation, you know, yeah. you can see how the two will overlap together, the skills yeah. there. Yeah. Where do you got them from working, you're applying them to masters or where do you got them from yeah. playing football as a young fella and then that serves you then when you're going into your career as yeah. well. Like you, yeah, well, and, uh, do you know, one thing that pops in mind in sport and in, in, in work, I'd never ask someone to do something that I wouldn't do. Yeah. Like honestly, yeah. I, I, I'll, like, I'll go to the site now and I'll take a brush and I'll start cleaning. Mm. If there's a drain blocked, I'll, I'll clear it. You know, and same in football, I would never ask somebody to do something that I wouldn't do and that, that, kind of is its own language if that makes sense like you know people can see that it also puts me in a strong position where I can go oh, I did it why don't yeah. you do it you know yeah. so yeah so that was it the Masters was brilliant and still is brilliant we we actually unfortunately Tyrone only bet us recently you know they've gone on and won the, the All-Ireland again this year okay. so it's uh, it's been a brilliant but 
it's great initiative. They have a they have a saying: uh, "You're never too old to play. You get old by not playing." You yeah. Know? And um, like coming into my later years to get the opportunity to play with the likes of those players wearing the Dublin jersey and representing the Dublin the way I did. Um, I captained the team one of the games as well and the social part of it and my kids seeing me playing for Dublin and all that like, was amazing. So it was a great dream come true for me in a very good structured way. You know? Do you think, because obviously between running a business, the stuff you've going on with the TV stuff you're doing at the moment and then mm. obviously you have three daughters at home. Yeah. Like a lot of people would say like, how does he, like obviously you have to make time to do all this. Yeah. Um, do you think like obviously in terms of t the time you're spending playing GA, you could be spending doing more work and maybe making more money but do you actually think by taking the time out it serves you better and puts you in a better headspace then for your work or like do you think it helps with your balance yeah I, I think you get mentally exhausted quicker than you'll get physically exhausted you know and um, I, I think that I, I freshen things up by and even in sport, like I, I, I've always liked to mix my sports. Whereas if I play one sport continually all the time, you can get a bit jaded and a bit lethargic at it. Whereas if you're mixing stuff up, you can get a bit of freshness. You know, if one team is not doing well, the other team might be doing well. You know that type of thing. Yeah. Um, or you might be doing well individually, or you might be doing poorly individually, and your team is doing well. Um, but I, I like I don't, I don't waste time anymore. You know, like I, I, I very rarely will suffer a hangover for like a period yeah. of time. Yeah. You know, I do enjoy a few points. I love a few points. Would you hate to hang over the next day? I hate to hang over. I'm the same, yeah. Just wasting time. Yeah. Like, it's it's actually not, I can, I can take the pain of a hangover, yeah. but I'm there going, I've just no motivation yeah. to do these five things that I would have mm. loved to do. It's what's it cost you the next day. Yeah, yeah. and especially when you have kids. Like, yeah. when your kids are looking at you and you're going, ah, Dad, will you come on and do this? Like, I, like that's only ever happened to me once and I said, never again. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, not letting that happen again, you know. But, um, so look, you know, look, that, if you win an All Ireland and you go out and celebrate, I wouldn't begrudge you the next day. Hey, you know what I mean? we'll, we'll give it a pass for that. <laughs> but um, you know, and look, other big events as well. Like you know what I mean? The grand. I love going to the MMA events and I'll have a few points of them as well and all that type of stuff. But I'll never. I try not to. I never say. I won't say never, but I try not to go OTT. And it's not just because I don't want to. You know, be OTT and drinking and all that. It's more that I. It's the next day. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm I, the exact same. I have more yeah. guilt yeah. the next day. It's just not worth it. Yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. not. It's genuinely not worth it. And you're probably, if you're like me, you're probably, your biggest complaint all the time is like, I wish I had more time to do this, this, yeah. and this. And then if you're sitting around your house feeling sorry for yourself, phone yeah. off, it's like, well, can't be arguing about this. You know, Absolutely. Complaining all the time. Absolutely. Final question for you, Paper Forlidge, because it's been absolutely fascinating. Yeah. If there's a lad listening to this who's maybe in and around similar age bracket to yourself, who's mm. maybe looking to, Maybe they're trying to, they're on the crossroads of maybe going out and doing their own business side of things, or maybe they're they're happy with work, but they're thinking about getting back into some sort of fitness. Like, what would your advice be? Because like I'm looking at someone here who started a carpentry apprenticeship in his early twenties, mm. and like where he's gone in the last, like there's all Ireland medals there, this TV appearance. Yeah. It's an unbelievable story, really. You know, oh, what thank would you? But what would your what would your kind of voice be there? Well, well, the first piece of voice is that. Be ready for problems, you know. Like mm. we've spoken about a massive amount of my positive things that happen, but I had problems the whole way through. And you know, if there are big problems that are unsurmountable, that's fair enough. But any any challenge you take on in your life ever is not going to be an easy route. And we kind of discussed earlier. If it is, you'll probably have a big fail at the end. Mm. Whereas if you can see a challenge and get past it, and you know, improve on your next challenge. So what I always say to people is. I wouldn't, and I and I did this myself, I wouldn't just drop, I wouldn't just say, arrive home from work and go, I'm handing in the notice tomorrow. That's it. And I'm going to have no leads, but I'll find it from somewhere. I have no tools, but I'll borrow them. That's not clever. That's not the thing to do. The thing to do is, while you have one job, start doing nixers. While you have a permanent job, start your podcast in your spare time. Your side hustle. is Your side hustle, 100%. I love that saying. Mm. Do that. See that you enjoy it to start off with. 
then what you do then is you kind of go, right, I'm going to take two weeks off holiday or whatever it is, and I'm going to go all in on the one that I'm starting to side hustle. Line it up, make sure you have plenty of work or, or plenty of whatever leads ready for that week, and then see, do you enjoy it? See, does it monetize? See, does it work? And if it doesn't, go back to what you were doing and keep it as a side hustle that you enjoy doing or whatever. But if it does work, go for it. And then it comes, you know, then you come to a you come to a, a moment where you have to go, look, I have to make the decision one way or the other here. Be clever about it. If you've got a wife and kids at home and, you know, you, you, you're not going to be able to afford to be, a soccer coach is not going to pay for it, but you love yeah. it. Like, you have to make, you know, you have to make selfish decisions, but you also have to be wise about what you do. Yeah, with other stakeholders there. Yeah. Ne- exactly. Yeah. I'd never advise someone to take a an uneducated jump and go from one thing to the other. I think that's the most foolish. And people have a romantic notion about that. I actually think that's a really selfish and foolish thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you do it in a calculated way and a controlled way, it's mindset, you know, like mm. it's, 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 and commit to it. Like, you know what I mean? Don't think it's going to be easy and don't think you're going to have it all your own way. But have the bravery to do it. I've done it a few different times. Like I've, I have another business, Lugwoods, that I set up and I was a huge risk when, I, when we took it at Tell the time. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Lugwoods is, uh, we live in Sagard and we have this beautiful uh, forest behind us and a beautiful view of the city. And uh, one of my lads came to me and said, can I take next Tuesday off? And I was like, it's a Tuesday in December. Like it's a bit odd, you know? And he goes, oh, we're going to see Santa Claus. And I was like, okay. And I had no kids at the time. Yeah. And uh, he came back the next day and I said, well, what was it like? And he goes, oh, it was deadly. We went to, they actually went down to Mount Juliet and they told me all this. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds deadly. And then I straight away just went, should that work perfect up in Air Forest with the city view and all this type of stuff. So that's that's where I started. So I linked up with my uncle and my cousin and uh, one thing went for another and we got planning permission and we did a few things. So we set up the business. So basically what we do is we run events in the forest. So we run Easter, Halloween and Christmas and uh, you bring our family themed events, seasonal events. Mm-hmm. So you, you come and <clears throat> you walk through the forest and you meet loads of different characters and there's a storyline and obviously at Christmas you meet Santa Claus and then um, at Halloween you meet the, the witch. And it's massive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's really yeah. good. Well, I know I said I, my kids are only coming of age now and like my daughter's just turned four. My son is two will definitely head out uh, that way, especially yeah, yeah. for Santa Claus. But Mark that works with me, yeah. he goes every year and he says the best Santa ah, experience he's brilliant. ever been to. So like that's that's genuine. That's what he said to me because he said to, to mention well, that to you. that's music to my ears because yeah. that's what I said. I said, yeah. I'm not going to just do this. I want it to be the best an experience and, an experience well, yeah. and we keep it natural so like you know you can go to the shopping centre and have the plastic polar bear doing that we don't do that we do rustic forest you know it's it's as real as you can yeah. kind of get and we, like you know uh, we make sure that anyone that's involved characters or staff wise un- understand that there's a huge ethic towards it and all of our storylines are a positive storyline and connected with nature and all that type of stuff you know so it's cool and it's taken a long time but when I first started out people were going are you absolutely <laughs> mental yeah. like I can remember sort of laying out my my uh, business plan and two or three people went, wow, that's brilliant. And then two or three people went, oh, do you want to work with involved in that? You're mad, you're mad. And they were right. Did you do a lot of the work of setting up the, the, <laughs> yeah. the props and the... Oh, I think back on the now physically, like, yeah, I'm working till all stupid hours at night and all the rest of it. But like, I don't, uh, it's, I think it's quite obvious that I, I don't, uh, I don't lack work ethic and I don't, yeah. you know, I don't shy away from work. But it was a huge amount of work to get it to where it was. And it was at a failing point where it was too much work for the what I was returning. Mm. And then my, my cousin's wife came on board and she transformed it, to be honest. So she, myself and her, run it now together. And she takes the lead on it and I, I support her. It's and great. It's a, it's, it's a business. solid it's business. Steady, now. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. And we're going from strength to strength with it. But that that had high risk and that had breaking moments in yeah. it. And there was moments where I was going, oh, why did I do this, you know? And what was it that just kept you going? You just, you had this image that you, well, I knew feeling or? Well, we were getting huge positivity from people that were there. Right, so the feedback the for, was good. The feedback was very good. 
not perfect. Like it was mm. obviously, you know, some. It's mad because on the same literally group of people, you'll have two people that that are killing each other and don't. No matter where you brought them, they're not going to like it. You know, yeah. say parents are yeah, killing yeah, each other, yeah, yeah. and then you've got this group of people that are like, well, yeah. "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Yeah. And I've often had that people coming up nearly hoping you going, "That was the best thing that ever happened." And then you have some weird big sour face walking past you and kind of going, "How does this happen?" But that's yeah. what it is. And you try and improve and you try and make things, you know. You, you try and develop everything that you do uh, always and I always try and do it. I always try to improve my building skills and, and my crew's building skills and I try and improve every every project that I'm working on. I think that shows you speaking about being at the, you reckoned you were the 30th best player in the Dublin panel there that you time go. and you were well, the same I, sort of principles. I was, yeah. I knew I was yeah. and but what a what a refreshing moment. I yeah. knew I was. Yeah. So I didn't, I wasn't giving out. I wasn't going, oh, he's, he's better than me. He's getting, he, he's better than me. You know? But what are you going to do he, about he, it? He wasn't when, uh, later on, yeah. I was I, the fellas I marked in the first training session. I roasted in the last training session for the final, mm. and they knew it. And it, I got great pleasure out of it, you know. Yeah, and and that, class. that's my competitive edge. And there's a bit of nastiness in that, but yeah. that's what that's you need. You need that's yeah. what you need to Especially succeed in sport. Yeah. yeah. Um, where are you at now? Like, if, what's before I let you go? If there's anything on the horizon yeah. now, what's what's coming up? Yeah. Well, it? I've we're, we just shot the first uh, episode of of the new series of Home Rescue, so we've got another five episodes to shoot, and that's going to be out in in the new year. Um, very busy in work. Low goods is 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 happening over over Halloween. Yeah, and Christmas. kicking off now. Yeah, and because I don't have enough things going on, I I have <laughs> I'm I'm starting up a a, a website and a, a platform for people to get uh, construction advice. Okay. So I kind of identified that, and um, where it happened was. A lot of friends of mine would would uh, say to me, "How hey, listen? I'm, I'm bidding on a house. Would you have a look at it for me?" So I went and I looked at some of the lads' houses, and that was grand. But I couldn't travel all over, you know, Dublin yeah, just looking at people's houses places, and all the rest yeah. of it. I did it a few times where I charged people; they might, might contact me, and I did that. But then it just wasn't a viable thing to do because I was too busy. So I still did it for friends, and this was happening quite often. So I started getting to do them and just send me the the the, uh, the estate agents link. So I was able to look, and within. Five minutes of looking at that, I was able to give them a massive amount of information, kind of going, look, the BR rating on the house is this, you're going to have to improve that. Um, the kitchen is quite small. Um, you know, you've got great space out the back, you'll probably be able to do an extension there. So if you're buying the house, you're definitely going to need to do X, Y, and Z on it once you move in, and here's an approximate budget. So people are able to go and bid on that house then, knowing no so, what's ahead of them. Yeah. yeah, for simple figures, if the house was 300 grand, they knew they really needed 350, mm. you know? And that gave them great comfort to do that. But there's nowhere else doing that. Like I always get people ringing my office or ringing me kind of going, oh, can you give me a price on this? I'm bidding on a house. And I can't do that. Yeah. I was, like I'd, you know, you, you just end up like doing that all day for no money, yeah. you know? So this is an opportunity for people to be able to get that direct one-to-one consultation. As myself and um, Alan Merriman, uh, who I played with and against many moons ago, he's a builder as well, hugely experienced. His brother is actually Ask Paul, Paul Merriman. So, it's a similar concept to what Paul has got going on, mm. um, except in in a construction uh, way. So basically, we give construction advice to, directly to people, and we're literally just about to launch in the next couple of weeks. It's mm. called Let's Talk Homes. Let's Talk Homes. Yeah, you've heard it here, guys. And I think, like honestly, the way construction costs have gone the last while, I think there'll be it. huge value there because, like yeah. that, it, the market at the moment seems people are bidding on houses and they're, they're getting outbid, and yeah. you know, like it's it's a thing. I'm sure you easy get carried away because there's a lot of fear. You you don't want to miss out on a house, then you buy it, and you're like, okay. What do you have to do now? And like, yeah. That, yeah. So you need to know what you're getting into from the start. It's the biggest financial decision you ever make in your life. So to, to get some expert advice would be no yeah. harm whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Loads of people do that. They they buy a house and then they move in and they're like, oh, 
I know I have to change the kitchen, but I can't afford it, you know? I did exactly that. I bought an old house near Swords Village, 1970, and uh, we decided we bought it. We got all the change the kitchen. And before we knew it, we were rewiring, replumbing, yeah. insulating, all these things I didn't even know. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so I definitely could have done with your services <laughs> about six years ago. I'm not going to lie, but it saved me a lot of stress. There you go. Let's talk homes that I eliminate those problems. <laughs> Brilliant. Look, there you go. You're always on the on the showbiz factor. There so we'll end on that now, Peter. Listen, thanks so much for your time. This was a great chat. We oh, covered sport, business, so many different things there, fatherhood, and then just like your whole ethos in life. And I think going back to someone who's thinking about doing something, you think about the man sitting in front of me now, did a carpentry apprenticeship in his early 20s, and now where he's at now is phenomenal. All Ireland medals in there. And uh, again, there's a great lesson there, you know, like your age is just a number and you're absolute living proof of that. So fair play to you. Right, and just thanks very much. Thanks and well done time. with everything you're doing as well. This is a brilliant podcast and uh, keep up the good work. You're a gent. I'll give you that fiver after for that. Thanks. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Thank Cheers, you. Man, thank you. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it or you took value from it, please let us know. Give me some feedback. And if you think anyone else can benefit from this, drop the link into your WhatsApp group with your mates. Let your friends know. Share the good word of the podcast. And let's see where we can take this.